0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, the Gospel for today is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Plain in the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, which you can find in Matthew, but this one he's standing on a plane as he lays out for his disciples his great teaching. It's one of the most sacred, inspiring, and annoying and puzzling texts in the New Testament, because it speaks of loving our enemies. Not just tolerating them, not just vaguely accepting them, but loving them. Hold in your mind for a second a great global enemy maybe the september 11th hijackers or saddam hussein or hitler but then make it a bit more personal maybe someone in your life that you just don't like somebody that annoys you no end someone whom you would harm if you could hold that person in your mind and then hear jesus words love your enemy It's hard, isn't it? Annoying, isn't it? Puzzling, isn't it? You know, the first reading for this week, which is always coupled with the gospel, is fascinating. It deals with that conflict between Saul and David. Remember, Saul becomes very jealous of David. And he seeks to kill him. This is not a a light quarrel. This is a life and death, death struggle. Saul, with his army, pursues David. In the reading for today, the tide has turned a bit. David sneaks into Saul's camp, and there he sees the king and his coteries. They're asleep. With one thrust of his spear, David could easily kill Saul. Mind you, a man who's been trying to kill him, unjustly, aggressively, out of insane jealousy. David's got every right, you'd say to kill Saul, but he doesn't. You know, many years ago, when I was a student here at the seminary, a very wise teacher said, one of the great tests of your moral metal is what do you do when the tide turns and suddenly your enemies have been delivered into your power? It's very interesting, isn't it? Think about that. Someone that you don't like. Someone that's hurt you. Maybe when they were in a position of authority, they hurt you. Now, as often happens in life, the wheel of fortune turns. The tide turns. And now, you are in a position to get them. What do you do? How do you respond? This is exactly what happens now with David. And David rises to the occasion. He does not slay Saul. He loves Saul. His enemy. Let me offer four reasons why it's a good idea to love your enemies. First and most importantly, and I think why Jesus has this so central in his teaching the love of enemies is the best test of love. Love, as I've said a million times, is not an emotion but an act of the will. To love is to will the good of the other, and then to act upon that will. As such, the ultimate test of love is the love of those who are not going to love you back. You love someone because they'll love you. You're kind because they'll be kind to you. You're just so they might be just back to you. That isn't love. That's indirect egotism. The love of enemies, though, those who will not love you back, they will not be kind to you back, they will not return injustice. Now you know that you are willing their good and not your own. Doesn't Jesus himself say as much? Remember? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, how can you claim any credit? Sinners do as much. There it is. The test of love is to love your enemies. Second reason why it's important to love your enemies. They tell you an awful lot about yourself. Your enemies do. I know it's a bit of a truism. But there's a very good chance that the people who bother you most are the ones who are revealing deep truths about yourself. Think of the person that really bugs you. You just don't like this guy. You don't like this woman. How come? Chances are, they make clear to you publicly something that you don't like about yourself. You see in them yourself as in a mirror. Those aspects of your own personality that remain perhaps unconscious or in shadow, you see them in your enemies. In that sense, maybe they're a gift from God. Maybe they're a kind of liberating and illuminating source for you. And doesn't Jesus acknowledge the truth of this when he says, remove the plank in your own eye so that you can see more clearly the speck in your brother's eye? You see what he's implying? Ooh, that that quality in that person really bugs me. Well, chances are, you've got it in spades. The speck you're seeing in him is in parallel to that plank in your own eye that you can't see. How about a third reason why it's important to love your enemies? Perhaps your enemy is actually pointing out how inadequate your own life is. Here's what I mean. Maybe, just maybe, though it's, boy, it's hard to admit, Maybe your enemy is right and good, and it's you who are off-center. See what I'm saying? Oh, I can't stand that person. I can't stand her. Well, maybe she's right. (laughs) Maybe she's good. Maybe she's upright, and you're the one who's off-kilter. And in relation to her now, you're an enemy. She's an enemy to you. Just think for a second. To how many people Jesus was an enemy? Well, at the end of the day, everybody, scribes, Pharisees, Romans, Sadducees, the common people, his own disciples. At the end of the day, he had become an enemy to all of them. Why? Because he was no good, and they were? No, just the contrary. Jesus was himself the ultimate criterion of good. His enemies understood themselves as off-kilter precisely in relation to him. Okay, brothers and sisters, ask this hard question. That person I hate, is it possible that she's good and I'm bad? Is it possible that she's just and I'm unjust? Is it possible that she's doing God's will and I'm not? Therefore, your enemy can be a point of enormous clarification in your own life. Final reason why it's good to love your enemies? You might win them back. The whole purpose of this game is to draw people into the mystical body of Christ. If you kill your enemy, well, I guess you protect yourself. You insult your enemy, I guess you keep the enemy at bay. But the point here, friends, is to bring the enemy back into communion. I know, I know, when you're attacked, you have this very fundamental desire to fight back. It's just—it's hardwired into our psyches. Fight fire with fire. Meet injustice with an answering injustice. I know, it's, it's, it's programmed into us. But see, when you hate your enemy that way, you confirm him as your enemy. When you answer in kind, you simply justify his original dislike of you. You enter into a terrible cycle of violence. So when you love your enemy, what do you do? You put a wrench in the works of that process. You're cruel to me, I'll be cruel back to you. And that awakens more cruelty in the other person. That awakens more cruelty in me. And on and on it goes. Are we Christians called by the Lord? to put a wrench in the works of that cycle of violence. And how do we do it? By loving our enemies. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who maltreat you. Maybe I've spoken of this before to you, but I've been very impressed by an oriental martial art that's called Aikido. Watch the movie crouching tiger, hidden dragon, you'll see it. Aikido is a martial art. That means it's an art of war. It's a way of engaging the enemy. But here's the distinctive mark of Aikido. It's a nonviolent martial art. That's to say, its purpose is to use the aggression of the enemy against him. Not to fight him, but to get deftly out of his way. So that you can use his energy and his aggression against him. You've seen this now in some of these martial arts films. Someone comes at the Aikido practitioner and this person gets out of his way and maybe grabs his arm and throws him to the ground. As the enemy comes with great aggression, the Aikido practitioner uses that aggression to throw him off balance. The purpose, they say, is not to kill your enemy, not to maim your enemy. The purpose is to leave your enemy laughing on the floor in frustration. I say now, not shouting or grimacing, I say laughing on the floor, because he realizes there's no way I can beat this person. What have you done? You've engaged the aggression, yes, you've engaged the evil. But you've not stirred up an answering violence. You've won the enemy back. Oh, now look at the great practitioners of Aikido on the grand stage. Gandhi and King and John Paul, as I've often said. What did King do? He took this enormous aggressiveness of a segregationist America. As they threw their violence at him, he calmly and relentlessly allowed it to spend itself on him. He took it on. Deftly, if you will, getting out of its way. What did he effect? He threw off balance this aggressive society, changed it from within. The final great reason to love your enemy? You might win them back and make them your friend in the mystical body. Listen again to these words of Jesus
0: Love your enemies. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.